Welcome to Spears Podcast, episode 69. Nice. Succubus. <laughs> I hate you. Not going to lie, y'all. We knew this was coming. We we know how numbers work. We saw it coming down the line, and we were like, hey, you know what's better than a Valentine's Day special? 69, nice. Succubus. Why not? Let's do it. I'm going to part the kimono for a minute. <laughs> and in our, in our work slack... Um, you and Eric both were like 69 we're doing succubus I'm like but I had something else planned they're like nope nope we're doing succubus we have to lean in what are we gonna be like 69 uh, a really important culturally significant myth from the past yes no succubus (laughs) okay Ah. fine fine and because everything's topsy-turvy and I'm suggesting episodes why don't you try reading the patron names Jules I'm so scared okay uh, so welcome this week to our new patrons, Tyler, Frank M, Ryan, Hector, and Fireside Radio Productions. You guys never leave your partners extracted of their sexual chi in bed. We talked about this Waystation and Lost Girl are not accurate to what succubi are. Well, present me hasn't listened to past me do this episode yet, so I don't know anything. That's fair. Okay. Do you know who know lots of things, though? That would be our supporting producer patrons. That's right. So thank you so much to Neil, Philip, Julie, Sarah, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Maria, Cami, Lindsay, Ryan, Shelby, Lynn, Mercedes, Phil, Catherine, and Deborah, And of course, our legend-level patrons, Sandra, Ashley Marie, Buggy, Leanne, Ashley, Shannon, and Cassie. You all are amazing. And anyone looking at you would think you are the platonic ideal of a human being. Oh, Jules. That's so sweet of you. I do my best. I'm super stoked about our sponsor this week. Oh, uh, me too. Do you want to tell us about Talus Clothing? Talus Clothing is a clothing line based out of Los Angeles. Each garment is hand printed on 100% cotton, and the images on the shirts reference psychic protection, astrology, divination, and are meant to impart a sense of mental or psychic protection to the wearer. They are so beautiful. There are these wonderful, like, anatomical drawings and sort of tarot imagery. Oh my gosh, we're going to tell you so much more about them later in the episode, Mm -hmm. but you can go to bit.ly slash spirits talus. The link is also in the description of this podcast and use code spirits for 15% off your order. And like, trust me, if you listen to the show, you are going to want these shirts. They're worth it. We will post a picture of us wearing the shirts and they're very cool. Check out our Instagram. That's a great plug, Jules. We are at spirits podcast on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook and on all the places, but Instagram in particular, I like it a lot. I'll like add to our stories sometimes throughout the day as I see creepy stuff or Mm -hmm. dogs on the sidewalk. So (laughs) if you have creepy creepy stuff or dogs you know it's what i'm here for so if uh if you don't yet follow at spirits podcast on instagram now's a great time to do it do it and if we could ask one final favor of you it is a wonderful time ides of march i don't know spring equinox time zones are changing it's a great time to recommend spirits to someone it just always is it is you can help us grow the pie of podcast listeners and have more people to like freak out about podcasts with. So find your friend or coworker or family member or or pet sitter or barista if it's done in a respectful way that doesn't like violate their boundaries because they're at work and you're just a person. But recommend podcasts to them. Tell them how to listen to a podcast. Subscribe to Spirits for them. It is great. You're going to introduce podcasts into their lives. What kind of pie is a podcast pie? Um, who? Peaches, because we're all cute. That's adorable. I was thinking of like a like a chocolate peanut butter, like savory and sweet. Mm. And, mm. Yeah, you put some some uh, Himalayan salt sea on salt. top. Oh yes, <laughs> I hate you. I'm so hungry. Oh, Jules. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for recommending the show, and enjoy Spirits Podcast episode sixty nine. Nice succubus. 
Amanda, I had a very nice, very thoughtful episode planned out this week. Yeah. And then I saw what number episode this was going to be, and everything went out the window because I'm a child. Julia, so, Julia what, what number is this episode? So for episode 69, nice. nice. <laughs> Listen, we are thoughtful, <laughs> feminist, educated women, and we are allowed to make stupid jokes about 69 and 420. Do you remember when you learned what those things were? I, I was no. like seventh or eighth grade for no, me. No, I don't recall learning about one. Well, you probably, like a normal person, picked it up over time. Where I was like, "What does that mean?" And yeah, uh, that sounds like you. Yeah, yeah. Middle school was hard. <laughs> so for episode sixty-nine, nice. Uh, we are going to be talking about you guessed it, succubuses. Yes. Succubi. Succubi. It's succubi. Love it. So Amanda. Tell me what you know about succubi. Oh, Julia, I know a great deal about succubi. Okay, do you want to plug our show that it's all about a succubus? Because we have a fan cast about a succubus named Bo yes. Jones. It's her last name, actually, yes. which we don't know. Uh, but our show is called Waystation, a Lost Girl fan cast about the TV show Lost Girl, which is very queer, uh, mainly because the protagonist is a bisexual succubus named Bo, and she derives energy from what they call sexual chi, which thing. is not a thing and pr- kind of appropriative, vaguely. Yeah. Um, but she derives energy from having sex or kind of sexual relations uh, with different people. And in the show, she also has a uh, kind of ability to like influence or control others uh, by making them desire her. So that is the sum total of what I know about Succubi. Okay. Uh, mostly not accurate, but we'll get there. Listen, you don't go to Lost Girl for the mythology. You do not. You go for a paranormal procedural with a lot of sex. I got really mad during our last episode because the mythology is Almost never right. Yeah, but we, uh, we're we going episode by episode starting with season one, so it's never a bad time to jump on that way station bandwagon. Yeah, it's, it's a good, good show. Anyway, let's talk about succubi. First things first, we'll talk about where the term succubus came from. Okay. Uh, succuba in Latin means paramour, which derives uh, from the term succub, which means to lie beneath, describing both the sleeper's position to the supernatural being when it feeds on it. And we'll get uh-huh. to that point. And also like to lie with in the Sh- biblical sure. sense. So this term... Which I also had no idea what that meant until about, about ninth grade. Oh, buddy. Yep. Oh, buddy. Yep. Theater was great because we had to explain all these body jokes in Shakespeare. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's what that means. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. As Amanda pre- sips her rum out of her water bottle during a <sighs> production of Romeo and Juliet. Listen, one has to learn somehow. That is true. So the term is first used during the late 14th century. First, the basics. The succubus is a type of demon that always takes the female form. Uh, that's because the male form is known as an incubus. Oh, uh, they are said to appear in dreams in order to seduce men through sexual activity. So is the same demon a succubus if, if they manifest female and an incubus if they manifest male or different demons? And those are the, they, you know, succubus demon always manifests as a woman. Yeah. Succubus demon always manifests as a woman. Incubus always manifests as a man. Got that's it. the only, that's really the only differentiating point. Gotcha. Yeah. So they pop into dreams and make the men do sexual things? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. They basically sleep with people in their dreams. Yeah. Yeah. This demon is tied to the Abrahamic traditions historically, mainly Christianity and Judaism. Really? Um, These traditions believe that repeated sexual activity with a succubus may result in the deterioration of health and mental state and may even lead to death. So sort of like your sanity gets chipped away as you, you know engage with this, around demon. with this demon yeah now can people say no in their dreams like i'm getting kind of you know iffy vibes about about consent here um 
yeah, you can, because there's been arguments about how to ward off or resist a succubus. Right. So there, there is that option. And it's supposed, it's like, it plays into weird concepts of like lust and sinfulness and like trying to have pure thoughts and whatnot. Yeah, we're, we're diving right in there. Yeah, we're, we're getting right in there. Going a bit more into the folklore, according to some Jewish texts dating back to about the 10th and 11th centuries, the first succubus was Lilith, right. who was the first wife of Adam, as in Adam and Eve. So she was unsatisfied with Adam and left the Garden of Eden, refusing to return after she mated with the archangel Samael. Interesting. Yeah. Like men wouldn't do it for her anymore. Yeah. She's like, wow. oh, I, I fucked an angel, so. <laughs> wow. And they're, oof, man, really just, let's put toxic masculinity up in there, too. Yep. Because this, a lot this of whole, like, gross um, expectation of, like, sexual satisfaction mm-hmm. and, you know, men being, you know, being, quote, unquote, able to, like, perform sexually, X, Y, you know, in, in like, all these specific ways yeah. just really just starts with, starts with the first man, doesn't yep. it? Not that it's men's fault. It's society's fault. Yeah. Everyone is raised in a sexist society. And dismantling toxic masculinity helps all of us yes this has been your psa i i agree so lilith along with four other succubi that mated with samael become the queens of the demons so the four are lilith esheth agrat bat mahalt and Nama. These are names that I haven't heard very often. Yeah, no. You hear Lilith as, I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago, a sort of demon related. Mm-hmm. That makes sense that we don't hear such beautiful names as Rachel and Sarah. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, so here's the thing. If we're going to have this discussion, we should talk about the historical context of how demons are brought into uh, Christianity and Judaism. I would love to know. Basically, it comes down to syncretism. Which is, let me try to guess this, when an existing religion or like a religion gets introduced to a place and it kind of gloms existing traditions. Yes. And like explains it and rationalizes it under the, under like their framework. Right, exactly. So in a situation like Christianity, you have one supreme God. So you can't have other gods from other traditions you know exactly in there either you have to like push them out or you have to find a way to placate people and allow them to continue talking about and quasi like you know doing rituals that are familiar to them but in a way that doesn't undermine the religious hierarchy right so traditionally with christianity they would do that through either two routes saintism like creating a saint out of like a being saint patrick or uh saint bridget Yep. They did a lot of that in Ireland. They did. Or demonization, where yep. you take your god and you're like, well, he's a demon now, or she's a demon now. I wonder if that's racialized at all. Uh, probably a little bit. Yeah. That's what happened with Lilith. Lilith was a yeah. goddess in, I want to say, Mesopotamian, probably Assyrian, mm-hmm. um, or actually Babylonian. Babylonian is mm. correct. That, you know, once Judaism and Christianity both moved into the area, she became known as a demon instead of the goddess that she was yeah because i was going to say the you know the bible that we grew up with is so clear as to adam was the first man eve was the first woman blank Mm -hmm. you know done so there must be some kind of reason why lilith wasn't like part of that you know foundational Mm -hmm. myth like told from the top there's a way to kind of be like oh yes well there was someone else but you know we strike her from the records because she did x y and z yeah 
which you know it, it works but there there are all problems with the genesis section of the bible that we will not get into so get back on the succubus page uh according to uh the versions of folklore where lilith is the first succubus uh, a succubus would take the form of a beautiful young woman but upon closer inspection she would be revealed to have some sort of deformity such as bird claws or serpentine tails which okay i i just Personally, I can't imagine looking at someone who is just so beautiful and I don't notice their snake tail. And it's not like disguise, like deer woman, where, you know, looks like a person and then she either disguises the deer hooves or they like come out later. No, because she's just, she's usually naked in dreams. So. Right. Oh, the succubus. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard to cover that up, you know? That's, oh, I was thinking just like meeting them in the market or something. But yeah, you're right. Like it's, I don't know, maybe the idea is that you're kind of so overcome by lust that you don't assess the situation uh, rationally. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't, don't know. know. And like, listen, that's that's an anthropomorphizing, a like mixing of creatures, which I'm usually pretty against. But this is this is endearing. I, I can take a lady with talent. That's fine. Oh, little, okay. I was going to say, tail. I can do this tail. I don't think that like bird claws on her fingers and toes would, would I was do picturing it for just me. toes. That's like, that'd be a little bit different if it was I, the hands too. I think it's probably the hands too. All right. I would I'd draw the line. Right. But the point being, it's <laughs> the not. The line is drawn. Gotta draw a line somewhere. The folklore actually can get really explicit. I. I wrote down a lot of this stuff and then I deleted it because I didn't want to say it <laughs> oh, no. on a show that my parents can listen to. Uh, 69 nice episodes later, we are finally realizing that, <laughs> that we have to talk really about bad. stuff that we talk about. It was really bad. Probably the most tame thing that I wrote down was in regards to having sex with the succubus. Uh, the fact that penetrating one is basically like entering a cavern of ice. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Oh. Yeah. Huh. I mean sensation i don't know yeah but that is surprising to me mostly because demons are associated with heat hellfire you well, know not stuff necessarily because like according to dante the final ring of hell is frozen over that's true that's true but i guess when i think about all the you know we weren't raised fundamentalist yeah. uh which often have more like hellfire hellfire you know brimstone and fire and, and all this kind of stuff the catholics are more like nope you'll go to the bad place and you don't want to be there uh <laughs> we're not going to give you any details but you don't no, go there. trust me you don't want to go there <laughs> um so so there's there's less of the like explicit imagery of like you know torture and and fire and blah 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 but in my head hell has always been like a red barren magma like volcanic looking place mm-hmm. and i don't know the idea of one of its one of its creatures being um icy Maybe that's it's how just, they survive. Uh, just different. Maybe maybe that is how they survive. Because their yeah. internal temperature is so low. It keeps them cool on these, in that hot, hot tundra. I, I don't hot, know. Or like, tundra? that's why um, tundras are just, tundras yeah. are just barren. Yeah. Tundras can be hot, as uh, one of our um, uh, geology teachers taught us in, in high school. Anyway, that's why the conception of Hades being sort of like filled with precious metals was so interesting to me. Yeah. And why um, the musical Hades town kind of renders it as like a mining town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just that idea that like, oh, no, it doesn't have to be like all on fire. It can just be barren in other ways or non-Earth-like or hostile to life in different ways. If you look at it that way, it makes perfect sense that there could be an icy version as well. That's or true. like Dante, you know, various uh, kind of all captured within that same yeah. Sometimes umbrella. Sometimes it's windy. Yeah. Yeah. Very humid sometimes, swampy. Annihilation, what up? Yo, Annihilation, what up? We just put a review of uh, Annihilation on our Patreon, by the way, so patrons can uh, listen to that audio extra. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. 
According to the Malleus Maleficorum, or Ooh, the Witch's Hammer, which love that's, I, I literally kept it in because that's how good the title is. I love it so much. Um, which was written in 1486. Uh, succubi collect semen from the men they, they seduce, which they then give to incubi, their male counterparts. For what purpose? Uh, the incubi then use it to impregnate humans, effectively siring children despite both the succubi and the incubi being said to be unable to produ- uh, reproduce. What a brilliant way to explain pregnancy out yep. of wedlock yep 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 wow so children that are birthed using this method are known as cambians um and they're usually they're usually just analogous to changelings like unearthly yeah so they're either born deformed or they're said to be more susceptible to supernatural influence wow yeah i mean that sort of idea of like a liminal child sort mm-hmm. of one foot in and one foot out of the world uh, is really interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, changeling myths, I don't know, as a kid, I was always like, oh, I, I want to be a changeling. I want to be a little bit special. You know, I want to like have a place that, that I'm taken to when I'm old enough, sort of that Hogwarts idea. Um, but that that is very cool. And obviously there must be so many examples where people had children when they were unmarried or, you know, if, if one of the partners was infertile and then someone else suddenly was pregnant, there's lots of reasons that this myth would be extremely convenient yes i agree so why scientifically are succubi a thing is a a thing i'm gonna tell you about okay um so i'm gonna call this science speculation corner Ooh, i love it (laughs) so amanda are you familiar with sleep paralysis i am yes not personally firsthand because it sounds freaking terrifying but i've heard of it for those of our listeners who are not familiar with it basically it's a condition where people while either waking up or falling asleep are aware but unable to move and during an episode they can hear feel or see things that are not there so actually in a modern day uh, modern day scientists kind of equate sleep paralysis with um, UFO sightings and uh, abduction stories. Which will often include the person saying something like, you know, I was aware of what was happening, but I couldn't control it. Or, you know, I couldn't move and there were things, you know, being done around or to me. Um, So that makes total sense that those things could be correlated. Right. Uh, Which I just think it's really interesting. So the argument is that succubi interactions were said to be some kind of sleep paralysis. Do people also report hallucinations or visions during sleep paralysis? Yeah. Yeah, that's 100% a thing. People can hear, see, and feel things that, like, aren't there during sleep paralysis. Wow, so kind of like waking dream type situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, in that case, it makes so much sense also why the uh, the demon would be on top of the, you know, kind of prone human being. Yeah. Because those two theories, you know, sound pretty plausible. Yeah, absolutely. Also, King James the Sixth, who has a lot to say about succubi for some reason. Right, row. Um... He correlated succubi with wet dreams. Sure. During this period, sexual activities not purposefully for procreation were considered sinful. Right. So the succubi were used as an explanation for nocturnal emissions for people who want to stay faithful to their society. That does make absolute sense because under this kind of framework of, you know, sex only being for procreation, uh, a sex that isn't for that is seen as wasted, especially for, um, you know, people that emit sperm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for the idea to be like well you know a demon was there in my sleep and it was you know either involuntary or i was under an influence or whatever Mm -hmm. um that is again like 
makes me kind of icky in terms of consent. Yeah, um, it is a little icky in terms of consent, but it is a demon. So it's it not a, like... Right, so there's always a kind of explanation that like, hey, you know, it is a thing that I would consent to in my right mind, but I was sleeping, but the demon influenced my, you know, my brain, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was unable to move. Right. Um, so that is like such a, such a, you know, plausible, I think, correlation to make. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, it's, it's super interesting. And I love when our mythology has a little bit of a scientific explanation behind it. That's always, yeah, always another example time. of how we use stories to explain stuff, you that know, to ourselves. But Amanda, Christianity and Judaism weren't the only ones that had these types of seducing demons slash evil spirits. Before we get to that, Julia, can we grab a refill? You read my mind. I'm going to need it. Yes, you you really, really are. This week's episode is brought to you by Talus Clothing. Talus Clothing is a cool supernatural mythology-based clothing line that is based out of Los Angeles. They are so incredible. The minute Julia sent me their website, I was like, oh, yes, yep, that that's going to work mm-hmm. because they make the most gorgeous shirts and other products with like these beautiful uh, images of like bodies and kind of tarot symbols and handwriting. Um, and when we reached out to the the owner of the company, she actually told us that the handwriting that she puts on the shirts are taken from an actual medium, like a spirit medium in the 1800s. How cool is that? Who recorded the people he channeled in his own handwriting. There are sometimes legible names like Caesar or Augustus, which like, that's not creepy at uh, all. Nope. Uh, and But more often they were like abstract symbols and drawings, scribbles, circles, stuff like that. Um, there's ancient Greek, Latin, and Hebrew talismans that signify protection, luck, mm-hmm. um, good memory, stuff like that. And like you look at these items and you know like, oh man, that is so intentional. And I don't know, just when I wear it, I feel like... I feel like there's just like a something extra yeah. helping me throughout my day. I'm holding my shirt right now because we got them in the mail and they're amazing and hey. they're beautiful. They're also the softest thing. Like yeah. they're 100% cotton. Sometimes, you know, the quality of that is not great. Oh my God, these are so nice and soft and like smooth feeling. And I just know that I'm going to be like super comfortable when I wear it like out of bed tomorrow or something like that. Yeah. And they have blue, they have white, they have black. I really love black t-shirts, especially in the summer. They have olive color now. Yeah. Like olivey taupe. I actually have to Mm -hmm. be careful that I don't wear my, my like olive coat with my olive shirt because I'm going to clash, but I'm getting excited for the spring weather. And I love that I can wear these short sleeve shirts with my almost like dice um, drawings on the side. Mm And uh, kind of show off my my tattoos and have a yeah. wonderful I don't know wonderful day in my Venus short sleeve shirt. Yeah, and the uh, the long sleeve one has the talismans going down the arm, mm. and it's really really cool. I know there are some like over your hip, and there's some kind of over your heart, and mm. it, it you know again whether or not this is something that you think has a real significance in your daily life, feeling like confident and stoked and loving what you're wearing, mm-hmm. you know it's never going to hurt. And I really, really love Tal's clothing. Um, They were kind enough to offer us a discount code. So if you go to bit.ly slash spirits talus, that's also in the description of the podcast, you can use the code spirits for 15% off your order. Right. And talus is spelled T-A-L-I-S. Yep. So So spirits talus. And if nothing else, go to the website, look at it, follow her on Insta. They're incredible. They're so pretty. I love all of them. They feel like when you look at those really old kind of gorgeous tarot decks, Mm -hmm. that's what they remind me of. It's amazing. It's such a sense of history. Mm -hmm. And it's a, you know, modern designer in Los Angeles, you know, supporting other small businesses. And we love her a lot. Making cool stuff. Yes. What else could you want? Nothing. I don't know. Venus protecting me during my day. Yeah. Love it. We got it. Right. Well, now let's get back to the show. 
So, Amanda, we are going to take a quick trip around the world to find out more about these sexy, sexy demons. Let's do it. You ready? So the first one is the Quarina, which is an Arabian mythology uh, story. So this spirit either has origins in ancient Egyptian religion or pre-Islamic Arabia. Uh, the spirit is said to sleep with a person physically, like like next to them. Okay. In the same bed as them and then have sex with them, you know, sexually. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> While they sleep. Uh, it really is so inconvenient that we use sleep as a as a you know, verb to indicate sex because yes. those are two different things. I want to talk about both of them. Yes. Come on. We're, we're talking about both in this situation. All right. Um, but the only indication that it was there and had sex with them is the dreams that the person has. Wow. So very, very similar. But being in the physical realm, I think, is another another kind of way that this myth goes. Yeah. Interestingly, so they're said to be invisible, but someone with second sight could see them. Hmm. Uh, and when they do see them, they're usually taking the form of some sort of household pet, like a cat or a dog. Yikes. Or, a, or a chinchilla, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, many of the stories also indicate that exhaustion upon waking is a sign that you've been visited by the spirit. Wow. All things that are perfectly common, yeah. you know, to like see a common animal somewhere shouldn't be in the middle of the night, to feel exhausted, to wake up and feel uncanny, you know, as if like something's happened to you during to sleep. To have a weird sex dream. To have a weird sex dream. Yeah. It happens it to happens. everyone. Yes. Uh, we're going to go to India next. Ooh. Um, and specifically, this is a story that uh, crosses both Hindu, Buddhist, and Jain mythology. Wow. Um, and they are, these are known as the uh, Yakshini. Tell me about them. Um, so they are said to be the attendees of Kubera, who is the Hindu god of wealth. Uh, they are guardians of treasures hidden in the earth and depicted as beautiful with wide hips narrow waists broad shoulders and large breasts uh interestingly these are usually benevolent creatures but there are a few stories in indian folklore that have them sort of with malevolent characteristics and are they gender fluid gender neutral women uh they're usually portrayed as women huh moving on to greek mythology because of course why not we have the shape-shifting empuza uh, it is said to be a category of phantom or specter, which is thought to seduce and feed on young men. Okay. Um, the way of spotting a empuza is that they have only one... I wrote this down weird. They have only one flesh leg. <laughs> Julia, do they have another leg made of something else? The other is made of copper and was given to the creature by Hecate. Okay. <laughs> the flesh leg. Uh, I mean, you could also say... I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make the obvious joke. I'm not. I'm not going to All do right. it. I mean, if you're going to make that joke, this is the episode to do it. I'm not. Okay. But you, you sure? could have said they have two legs. One is made of flesh. One is made of copper. Instead, you did not. I did not. I said <laughs> one flesh leg. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Um, according to the life of Apollonius of Tyana, a young philosophy student was seduced by an impusa, but also the story tells about how he was able to chase it off by hurling insults at the creature, which it caused it to run and hide uttering a high-pitched scream oh my god what a self-aggrandizing story <laughs> yes i'm a student of philosophy but i was visited by a sexy monster and i was Scared so like cuttingly witty to it that it ran away yelling yeah <laughs> uh, another version of the story says she would feast on the blood of young men while they slept first drinking their blood and then eating their flesh Ooh, a little, little flesh appetizer a there. A little bit of light cannibalism. <laughs> we do, really do need a light cannibalism stinger. We do. Right, light work on that? cannibalism. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, it's all like, like a little bit too long. Light cannibalism. I'm picturing like a, like a, 
80s sitcom montage now mm-hmm. like of just like people nomming on yeah to yeah. other people cool. and just like like a, a dad walking in and seeing the kids with no napkins like oh come on shucks guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of oh, funny God. moving on to scandinavia Ooh. um the seductive forest creature of scandinavian folklore is known as the holder or the holdra tag yourself i'm seductive forest creature cool um her name means covered or secret and she can be described as either seductively beautiful while her male counterparts are hideous i like the little distribution there it's not not what you think according to christian versions of the folklore uh the tale tells of how a woman had only washed half of her children when god came to her cottage oh boy Uh, ashamed she tried to hide the dirty children but god found them and decreed that because she had hidden them from him those children would be hidden from humanity and became the holders oh that's kind of sad yeah i'm sure that woman was fucking overworked yeah come on god if you made if you made perfect creatures then why does it matter if they're dirty Oh, that's true. Uh, despite this, they actually don't have a super bad relationship with humans. Uh, holder and humans can get along if they're treated with respect. And holders will be kind, particularly to charcoal burners, which they'll watch their kilns while they're resting. Wow. Which that's is actually very sweet. Kind of adorable. It reminds me of kind of house spirits and fae, which we, you know, talk about a lot. But if you are, you know, mutually respectful, if you keep them happy, then they'll keep you happy. But this idea of just a little, little you know person living their life uh sort of hidden from view but having a constructive relationship with the visible world is pretty sweet yeah i like it i like it a lot so amanda you know japan's got a good version of this story oh please japan actually has a lot of versions of the story but i picked my favorite thank you so much (laughs) so my favorite is the joragumo okay uh she is a yokai which is a kind of like evil spirit um who can shapeshift into a beautiful woman uh but her name means woman spider or entangling newlywed woman uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> where you think this is going oops oops a daisy so this her name comes from the fact that most of the stories feature her attempting to convince a man that she has birthed his child which is secretly a bundle of spider silk filled with small fire-breathing spiders terrifying or she is a young woman who attempts to marry an already married man only to wrap him up on their wedding night in spider webs and devour him. Uh, this is a pretty bitchin' urban legend, not gonna lie. Yeah, it's a good one. It is very good. It's it's quality shit. Oh, man. Both of those versions are just like, baby, nope, it's spiders. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> New wife, nope, it's spiders. Nope, it's just a big old spider. And I, I don't want to dwell on this too much because I know there are folks who are um, arachnophobic, but there's just... That if you want to dwell on that image, there's so much there. There's so much there. There is. There's a lot. Oh, Japan, you always come through. Thank you. <laughs> you do. Thank you. Such quality. Next, we're going to talk about La Saguanaba, uh, which is a character from Central American folklore and is said to be a shape-changing spirit that takes the form of an attractive, long-haired woman when seen from behind. Uh-oh. She lures men away into danger before revealing her face is actually either that of a horse or a skull. No! no! Or, or a horse skull. Oh, I don't like either one. She likes to lure lone men out late on dark moonless nights and tempts them away from their planned routes, usually to lose them in deep canyons. Oh, so she doesn't even sleep with them? She just like... No, like... she's just like, I'm pretty, follow me, and they do. Oh, no. <laughs> 
that oh, they get no. lost. Now I want like for every date I go on in the future to be like, let's stand in full light and just look at each other all the way around. <laughs> just just walk around your date once. Walk around <laughs> clockwise two times and just give yourself give yourself uh, the satisfaction of knowing that um, she may end up being spiders all the way down, but uh, she certainly is not going to be uh, a horse, uh, literal horse face. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if in Spanish, uh, horse faced is a similar like derogatory word for women. I don't know. You know, it's like an insult about, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, so I, I wonder if that, if, um, that's also a really bio. like gendered insult. You never tell someone, you never tell a dude he looks horse faced. You sure don't. There are lots of other ways in which men's bodies are policed and insulted, but being horse faced is not one of them. Yep. That's true. Okay. There's also the tunda, which is a myth from the Pacific coastal region of Colombia and Ecuador. Hmm. This is a shape-shifting entity, usually resembling a human female, that is said to lure people into forests and keep them there. Uh, so it will change its appearance into the form of a loved one, such as a child's mother or a spouse. Then lure the person into the forest and keep them there by feeding them shrimp to keep them docile, which is just <laughs> such a great fact. Like, same. I would be docile if you just kept feeding me shrimp. Yeah. Like, if you if you looked like, you know, someone I loved and trusted and just kept feeding me shrimp, I'd be and like, you'd be like, we're going to live in the forest now. I'd be like, all right, cool. I mean, I pretty much am always ready to go live in the forest. If the forest has, like, books and antibacterial soap, I'm there. Yeah. So uh, her shape-shifting abilities are imperfect, and there's always some sort of wooden leg that she tries her best to hide. Oh. Yeah. Always a wooden leg. You know, I, I really do love the, like, the supernatural slipping into the real, though. Like, that's the thing that I, I really, really dig. And whether it's, you know, myths where if you look at the woman from behind and then the front is, is demonic or, you know, the deer woman where you have deer hooves under the, you know, beautiful human body. Um, just a, a little a little bit of slippage or, like, a, a shimmer and you see through an illusion into a, like, fairy city or something. Um, I don't know. That just never fails to really captivate me. I, I dig it. I'm into it. All right, so this is the last one. Okay. This is the story of the Shatabai, uh, which literally means the female ensnarer in Mayan and refers to a demon that seduces and kills. Okay. So it tells the story of two women. One is a sex worker and the other is, in quotes, a good and decent woman, which means she's a virgin. Okay, so we are obviously going to acknowledge the fact that this is a problematic and sex-shaming dichotomy, which is not the way that we view the world now, but let's look at the framework in which this myth was given to us. Yes, and there's also a very good twist that is somewhat redeeming at the end, and we will get there. All right, let's do it. So the sex worker was said to be a very good woman. She would help the poor and sick. She adopted abandoned animals. She gave up the jewelry and fine clothes that she was given to her by her lovers. Very pure and yeah, sweet person. Modest, besides helpful, her, compassionate. Yeah, uh, besides the view of society of her uh, position. Yeah. Um, the quote-unquote good woman was said to be cold, full of pride, and easily disgusted by the poor. One day, our sex worker goes missing. Oh, no. A wonderful perfumed smell fills the village, and people find that it's coming from her house and that she has died, but she's being protected by all her animals, which is just a really adorable image. Yeah. Um, But her body doesn't smell of death. It smells beautiful. Wow. So the people of the village bury her, and her grave becomes overgrown with beautiful flowers that always give off this beautiful, fragrant smell. That's so beautiful. The good and pure woman... Yeah, that's um, the sound of our scare quotes. That's my air quotes. Claims that if that is how the other woman smelled in death, that she will smell even better. 
right like she oh, oh i'm so morally superior in the one way and none others that she must smell better after death yeah Gross. so she, that's a very weird way to be vain i know also. <laughs> uh she eventually dies as a virgin uh and the entire village attends her funeral but to the amazement of the village an intolerable stench comes out of her grave reminiscent oh, no. of the spiny cactus flower that has this disagreeable odor yikes so i'm assuming sort of like rotten putrid type smell yeah uh, so in death, she becomes even more jealous of her counterpart and becomes the Shatabai after making a deal with evil spirits. Oh, so no. she comes back to life and seduces men with nefarious love since her heart has no room for any other kind of love. She waits for men in the forest, combing her long, beautiful hair with the spiny needles of the cactus. Ooh. And she seduces these wayward men, then kills them in the infernal act of lovemaking. <gasps> What that genuinely was a twist. Yeah. I did not see that one coming. It was a good one, right? Also, when you said wonderful perfumed, I think scent, mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say wonderful perfumed woman. And I was like, what an interesting way to describe a person, Julia. <laughs> She's wonderfully perfumed. Yeah. Her skin is, is very soft and her eyes are very beautiful and she is wonderfully perfumed. She just smells delicious. But yeah, that is that is all the succubus stories I've got for you this time around. Wow. I mean, what a, what a source of shame sex is, huh? Like that, that's so many different, like religious systems, societal ideals, whether it's village politics and the one we just discussed or something as big as like the first man and woman, yeah. you know, and first two women, I guess. Um, it's just, it, it makes you, makes you wonder, right? Yeah, it does. Makes me wonder who am I having sex with? Will they try and murder me in a forest? Will I be driven insane by the sex that we have? Maybe, if it's good. I kind of want a beautiful bower of perfumed flowers on my grave. That's that's sort of nice. Yeah. Why don't we do that anymore? We're just so into the idea of, like, headstone grass. We talked last week about the uh, the mort safe, which is, like, that cage over the over the grave mm -hmm. to stop grave robbers from getting in and stuff from getting out. Anyway, I, I more more kind of cool creative graves i'm sure there are lots of very neat ones out there so if you if you have your favorite tombstones or grave photos please send them our way send us your tombstones i don't know you know we we've covered the ways in which like you know sex shaming and toxic masculinity and uh you know problematic like cultures of consent can kind of contribute to sex being a like shameful thing a weapon a thing that's like weaponized by religion by politics by society mm -hmm. by you know patriarchy um against people but at the end of the day like the more you talk about it the less scary it is right um and whether that's talking about the fact that like yes you know weird things in your mind while you're sleeping are completely okay like right. it is your brain doing odd stuff all of us it happens and like it is not a weird thing your body doing involuntary things while you sleep is completely okay like having you know whatever the thoughts are that you think are particular to you uh are completely okay if they disrupt your life find help like that is a, a great thing to do but otherwise it is completely okay right um and anything that has this much power in myth whether it's like you know uh coveting someone else's like stuff or position or society like that is the thing that comes up in myths so often or fear of death right mm -hmm. we don't talk about it and it comes up so often jealousy um you know kind of around the covetousness like it's a thing that we just shamefully kind of like push down and it hibernates mm -hmm. and uh Brene Brown the author has this image of shame as a petri dish where like the more you cover it up the more it grows like you know bacteria in a petri dish just kind of like taking over the space mm -hmm. but if you talk about shame and like ask for you know, assistance and like air it out with people and, and sort of 
I don't know, you're, you don't cover it up, um, then the Petri dish kind of shrinks in it and it doesn't have a chance to like take root and fester. Yeah. Um, point being like, you know, most of us now live in a culture where, you know, we don't have to be ashamed of sex or wanting it or not wanting it or who we want to have it with or how we want to have it. Um, and so as much as, I don't know, I want to be able to like laugh at these myths with a light heart. But yes. right now, you know, it, it is complicated because it, it does remind us of so many things that, you know, have a real effect on people today. Mm. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. Like, isolationism is very much the method in which a lot of these stories ended up having, uh, ended up taking place because we felt like we couldn't talk about it. Yeah. So we had to come up with these stories that made it weird. Don't make it weird. Just talk about it. It's fine. I know, man. The minute that someone told me it's okay to, like, say stuff, it was great. Yeah. It was just so much better. I agree. Ugh. Just say the stuff. Just say the stuff. And hey, also, stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. Bye.